everybody. Welcome to the Photo Podcast. This is episode two. My name is Michael Howard. I'm the CEO of Photo. And this episode is a conversation I had with Deanna Dykeman earlier this year in 2022 for a photography conference that I organized and hosted. It was an online conference called the Musea Gathering. And so I thought it would release it here. This conversation's only uh, been heard at the gathering, and Deanna had so kindly gave me permission to release it here on the new photo podcast. If you haven't heard of Deanna, she's a wonderful person. She's a, a longtime photographer. She lives in Kansas City, uh, and she has had project with her parents called Leaving and Waving. She turned it into a photo book. And Aperture had uh, shortlisted it as one of the best photo books in 2021. And it was also shortlisted for the Mac 2020 First Book Award. She's been featured in New York Times, the New Yorker Magazine, BuzzFeed News, Harper's Magazine, and many more. She's been exhibited all across the U.S., uh, Europe, globally. Her work is collected in museums, corporate collections, um, academic collections, a bunch of places. She's won grants for her work. And just in general is a wonderful, wonderful human. And we talk about her long-term projects. We talk about how she got started and what are the universal themes that come out of her work that so many people have connected with all across the world. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Please join our Substack at photoapp.substack.com, F-O-T-O-A-P-P.substack.com. We will be releasing more episodes and we'll be doing more posts about our upcoming photography app that will be released in 2023. That'll be kind of the central communication point for the company. And we would like to get to know you more. And we would like for you to help us build a great photography platform that you are excited about and that you want to use and participate in. So without further ado, here is Deanna Teichman. Hi, this is Deanna Dykeman, and I am a photographer in Kansas City. I am best known for photographing my parents. I have a, a book called Leaving and Waving that I published this past year with my mom and dad waving goodbye to me at the end of the driveway. How, how did you get started in photography? I guess it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, when I was a little girl, my dad always had a camera with slide film, and he would take pictures on vacations and birthdays. And I had a little brownie camera and I would follow him around and take some pictures too. And then we would take him up to the photo store. And I remember that great smell of the developer in the photo store. It's It triggers all sorts of memories for me to think about that. And so I, I guess I just always kind of followed my dad around. And when I got uh, older and on my own and had my first job and a little bit of money, I went to the camera store and bought myself a, 
uh, Minolta SLR and started, uh, checked some books out of the library and taught myself how to understand f-stops and apertures. Kind of went on from there. My first game was a Minolta. That's funny. <laughs> I think X, it was X, an XG1. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm a little yeah, older. X700. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine was like the 1980 version. Yeah. So that's so funny. And then after that, you did you, did you go to college for photography, self-taught from there? I, I did not. Okay. I, I ended up going to a community college and in, in Kansas City, uh, Johnson County Community College had a nice program in photography and I went down there. I had a corporate job and I wasn't very happy and I took a leave of absence and wanted to kind of explore what I wanted to do when I grew up. This at the age of 31, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I, I went down there and took this photography class. And oh, my God. I mean, I forgot to eat lunch. I didn't look at the <laughs> clock. I was so, I was in my zone. So just no pun intended. Yeah, um, right. It was, it was great. That's fantastic. So you started photographing your family in 1986, which kind of started this project you've turned into called Relative Moments. So talk about like why you decided to photograph your family in the first place. What was the motivation? Well, I've got a, I was very lucky. I have a couple of great parents, grew up, grew up in a very close-knit family uh, with lots of relatives around. And so I just, I guess it all started when my parents sold my childhood home. And I was a photographer by then and had been taking pictures of all sorts of exotic things but I'd never taken a picture of my childhood home. Mm. And I just went, what? You know, Deanna, you missed the boat. And I went up to, <laughs> I was living in Louisiana at the time. And I, and I went up to Iowa and I took some pictures and hung out with mom and dad for a little bit. And I got a couple of good ones, but I was really sad. And so I think that just kind of triggered an interest and, you know, maybe these things won't be around forever. Maybe I should take some pictures of them. Not thinking it was a photo project, but just doing it for myself. That's all. You know, if you go through the body of work, kind of the moments you're capturing are kind of these not often documented moments, I would say. Uh, these quiet moments. Um, what, what attracts you to those types of moments versus something more idealized or perfect? Well... I never regarded myself as a, a photojournalist. I, I was kind of, so I, I didn't try to take pictures of everything, but I wanted to take pictures of little moments that, I don't know, somehow when they were happening, I said something, something special is going on here. And it was more a gut feeling than, than anything. I, I guess I want to back up just a little bit because yeah. the, the whole idea of, photographing my parents for an art project, I need to credit to a fellow photographer when I was showing him some pictures. Re really, the first time I took pictures of my parents, I, it was just trying out a new camera, a Fuji rangefinder camera. And I showed him these pictures and he had also grown up in Iowa and he it was one of my dad at the barbecue. And he just went on and on about this picture. And I said, really? You know, you're seeing something in this? Because to me, it was just a picture of my dad in the backyard, messing around, mm -hmm. taking pictures of happy family moments. And he saw something more. So then I started to see more. And I started to see kind of these little special moments of little pauses 
that I could record and make it a project. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if, yeah, th that does make sense. I'm wondering if some of the things that are maybe catching your eye, is that, is it, are these moments that are, you feel are unique to your parents or your family, like little idiosyncratic nuances, habits, things like that? Well, I thought they were unique to my family, but you know, when I show people these pictures, they start telling me about their family. Mm. And so somehow people in my pictures see things in their own lives. So I'm guessing maybe what I see as personal is perhaps more universal. You know, something you address on your site is it's, I think there's, you talk about the, there's something personal yet it, it's universal in many ways. I'm wondering if you, it sounds like what you're describing the story is you kind of find some of these universal topics maybe afterwards, like in, after you're photographing, when you're in editing, talking to other photographers, other people, that's when you kind of find these themes that other people are seeing in them. Is that accurate? Oh, it's definitely accurate. And I remember I was taking a photo history class and the teacher said, every photographer needs an editor or a curator. And I think that's so true. Maybe especially for me, because these could be just some snapshots of my family that don't, don't belong anywhere, but in my family album, but somehow I'm, I've found this art project and I'm offering them out to the world to look at. And it helps me to see them through someone else's eyes because it's very hard to edit them. They're very personal. I would imagine editing them. It's hard to, you know, cause it is your family. You would have a, maybe a bias to, I mean, a lot of photographers have a bias to kind of the backstory of what they're working on, <laughs> but being your family, it's even more intimate. And so separating yourself, having that editor, some of the fresh eyes is, seems crucial. Oh, it, it's just amazing. I mean, if I ever get this chance to show my notebooks of contact sheets to a curator, they inevitably pick things I had looked over and mm -hmm. decided not to print. And they'll, they'll point it out and say, no, there's something going on here. And I go, really? It kind of prompts a question for me is, do you, do you actively have like a couple photographer friends that you bounce ideas off of, or do you seek it out from like a professional curator or something at a gallery or museum and do it that way? Well, it's just been little opportunities that have popped up in my past that I've had access to a curator that I was going to be in a show and they have, they wanted to look at my notebook and see some things and, you know, well, or they'd say, well, what else do you have? You know, right. even when I was putting together the book, the publisher, I, I sent her the goodbyes I thought were the right ones. And she said, well, what else do you have? And I sent her the rest of them. Some people call it their A list and their B list or something. And, and she said, oh, I really like this one. And I had overlooked it. And she saw something in it. So I have never used a professional that I've kind of sought out and hired, but I've mm -hmm. had opportunities. Um, I've signed up for visiting critic and curator programs here in Kansas City, and mm -hmm. they'll I'll show them my work, even, even other bodies of work that I've done. And, and they'll say, well, what about this? Or why didn't you do that? Or I really like this. And, and I always learn something. I think it's really important to show your work to people and take advantage of any kind of feedback you can get. It's yeah. helped me. What are some of the things that just the average person that's come across your work, what have they told you? Like, what are these universal things that, that they're connecting with, I guess? They almost always start telling me stories about their parents or their grandparents. Mm -hmm. 
And quite often it's with some regret. Um, maybe they've mm -hmm. lost one of them and they wish they'd taken a picture. So many, I've gotten so many emails since this series kind of went out into the world the past couple of years. And people have said, oh, I wish I had one last picture of my mom waving goodbye to me. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I think it's easy for us to get caught up just being busy and then the photographies, you know, it's always one of those things that like it definitely freezes time and captures things for us uh, so we can review them later. But um, yeah, sometimes we don't realize the power of it until it's too late, you know? Yeah. There's a sense of, I think, a little bit of humor in some of your work. What, where does that come from? Is that, is that your personality? Is it your parents that you're seeing? Is it a combination? What do you think? Well... My dad was always teasing me and was very open to, to my family would be open to little jokes or being playful. So, um, but I don't think they realize, like, there's a picture where my mom is on the phone and she's got these big rubber gloves on and she's talking yeah. to my sister and the phone rang and she was washing dishes. And, you know, I just look over there and say, whoa, Deanna, go get your camera. <laughs> That's a good scene. And, yeah. and so... You know, sometimes I think we don't even realize in our everyday lives, these little little bits of humor that might be there. You know, my dad was working on the garden hose one end and he was fixing something and he was just studying it. And and I happened to be there with my camera and, and it's a greatest picture. I mean, he's looking at the garden hose like it's something he's never seen before. And, and yeah. it becomes humorous. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think the humor is kind of after the fact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like I'm maybe that's some, well, going back to kind of like what's catching your eye at some of these moments, I think humor is one of those elements that you're like, oh, this is funny in a personal, unique way, but we all have those as humans, I think. Oh yeah. And I'm really glad you're seeing that because I certainly intend it. Okay. Good. <laughs> I mean, even the, yeah. even the waving goodbye pictures as sad as they were on um, had mm. some silliness to them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it sounds just the gesture, or like how you're framing it, different elements, I think. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple of pictures where my mom and dad are kind of hugging each other and and they were just being silly and and posing for the camera. Um, mm -hmm. And in retrospect, it's very sweet to have. So you photographed, I mean, you've been photographing, you know, family for a long time. The projects, the relative moments and the wave, the leaving and waving is a really long spans a lot of years. How do you feel like it's changed you as a photographer? Because I'm sure when you started, you know, you're at a different point in your life and growth as an artist and then all the way through. How did you evolve as an artist through that? I think one of the biggest things I learned was to stop censoring myself. And I mean that in a way of at some point I knew I was doing a project of my parents and then when my son came along, I thought, I had this big debate. Well, should he be in the pictures? Is, is this just mm. a story about my parents? Should I start including my son in the pictures? And in retrospect, what a silly question. Of course I should have. But for a while, I kind of thought, I, I don't know. I, I had a narrow-mindedness sometimes. And mm. as I worked on the project, I found myself becoming more and more open to kind of going with the flow mm -hmm. and stop telling myself no. I mean, really, you know, you should always take the picture. You can always cut it out later. And there are times when I didn't take a picture and I wish I had. Mm. And I think as I 
progressed as a photographer, I stopped myself. Yeah, I think sometimes we're ourselves are our biz, biggest obstacle in a way. I would know I have been. <laughs> Probably still am in ways yeah. I don't even know. Right. So leaving and waving, it just, I feel like the last, you know, what I've found online, like the last couple of years, it's just really taken off. Did, did you, I mean, you know, the Aperture named it like one of the best photo books of 2021 and the Prix Nadar and New Yorker magazine picked it up. It's been exhibited like in the US and Europe and all these ways. Why do you think people from all over are, are attracted to this? You know, I've puzzled about that a little bit and I've talked to friends and I, I wondered, especially, you know, outside of the United States, what people see. But mm -hmm. I think there must be something, at least the messages I get, the emails or the little messages on Instagram are that no matter where you are, if you're lucky enough to have a, a family that's loving and caring and not everyone is, but the people that are, they really relate to this. And they tell me that they uh, appreciate the little bits of love they see in pictures and it, it reminds them of their own families. Or some people say, you know what, I'm going to start taking more pictures of my family because I saw your pictures. And now I see mm -hmm. the importance of it. Did I answer the question? Yeah. No, you did. I think that's okay. Yeah, oh, I think the that's other great. Thing I was, yeah. The other thing I was going to say is this project kind of, it, it went out in the New Yorker right before the pandemic and a couple, or just kind of as the pandemic broke. And I've always wondered if the fact that we were all, all of a sudden separated from families, scared to see people, maybe my story was just a little more heartwarming because of the loss we were all feeling. I'll never know, mm -hmm. but it, that coincidence might have um, made my story a little bit more interesting and of the times. Yeah, well, I think everywhere we were definitely collectively feeling a certain way. So that the pictures have a one of the universal truths is just like that home feeling. It's a longing for that. I can see just really pulling people in. Well, and somebody pointed out to me that even in on Zoom call, we end the Zoom calls waving yeah. to each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think an, an, another concept for me of why people are maybe attracted to the project is I think photographers, it's tempting to try to think of something very exotic or complex or rare to photograph. Like there's a, sometimes we feel like that's, those are the things we need to chase after when sometimes it's just the most simplest thing in a way, you know, really reaches well, the broadest. And I think some photographers are really good at that, but mm -hmm. I don't think that was my forte. And that's mm -hmm. actually kind of the subject of my talk that I'm going to give yeah. is how much that journey of finding my voice was turning into the things I knew the best and looking at them. What, what advice do you have for people that, you know, you've got these messages of people that want to start documenting their family more. What advice do you have of people starting that or doing that, but maybe in a way that has some honesty to it and it isn't as, it can, it can devolve into some cliche imagery, I think at times. So how do you, how do you maybe break through that barrier of somebody that wants to take some honest pictures of their family? Well, for me, it was a matter of 
my family getting used to the camera just being there. You know, I set, I used one camera and I put it on a tripod for the indoor pictures. It was always on a tripod. And I, it was just sitting in the house when I visited my parents. And if something interesting started happening, you know, like my mother answering the phone with rubber gloves on, then I had the camera ready and I just zip over there. But because I kept doing it so much, they started ignoring me. And so if you need, if you want that spontaneity, I think you have to do it enough that it isn't a big deal when they have a camera in front of their face, because then they don't react to it anymore. They're just, oh, Deanna's (laughs) just taking another picture. So what? Yeah. They stop probably asking why are you documenting this moment or something? So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they know most of them are never going to see the light of day anyway. So they just stopped thinking about it. With the waving leaving and waving book you put together, did, did your, did they kind of catch on to that every time or how did, how did that evolve between you and them in terms of the photographing and them expecting it and all of that? Well, for the first 17 years of those pictures, I didn't know I was doing a project. So I started the first picture in 91. I kind of limited myself and I didn't take anything till 92 or 93 And then even then I took one just sporadically, but somehow I just discovered that it helped me say goodbye and leave if I would take a picture. So I would get out the camera and take a picture. You know, I'd load the car, hugs and kisses, mom would cry. I'd get in the car, I'd have my camera ready and I'd take some pictures. And then it kind of turned into a ritual. And so we knew we were doing it. We didn't know it was a book or a project, but we knew it was just something we were doing for fun when I left. And it helped me, you know, I was just sad about leaving and they were getting older. And I I wondered if sometimes maybe I might not see one of them again. Um, Could this be the last picture I ever took as I drove, you know, I'd wonder as I drove away. But after a while, they just, it was something they good-naturedly, sweetly put up with. When did you realize it's a project, you said? Well, first you in, weren't. It, in 2008, I got an award from the United States Artists, and that came with a $50,000 stipe, unrestricted funds. And I was trying to figure out what to do, how I, you know, besides buying a new printer and a new camera and a new computer... I decided I would look into books. And so I tried to process and look at that whole body of work called Relative Moments because that's my biggest, longest project. And I could not figure out how to make it into a book. And I think maybe in 2008, there weren't as many resources out there to help photographers make a book as there are now. And now there's workshops, there's advisors, there's consultants, but I don't. If there were, I didn't know about them. So I went through all my notebooks and looked at these things. And and the only thing I saw was a whole series of goodbyes. And I thought, huh, look at what I've accumulated. And so at that point, I saw that I had 17 years of goodbyes. And Mm -hmm. I knew I was doing something. And at that point, I knew I had a little project within the bigger project. So you're you're living in... Kansas City at this time, and your parents were living in where? Iowa? North Northwest no. Iowa, Sioux City, Iowa. Okay. Okay. And then how often did you see them? How often did you visit? I tried, well, because we were 400 miles away, I wanted my son 
to see his grandparents. So I went up at Christmas break, spring break, right after school got out in May, in August before school started, sometimes in November at Thanksgiving and again at Christmas time or over the holidays. I went as often as I could given my son's school breaks so he could see his grandparents. And um, so it was usually four or five times a year. Mm. And then as my mom and dad got older, I would make trips just to be a daughter to come help them out. The project, especially the Leaving Waving, like going through the series, it is, a, you know, it seems like a simple concept in a, in a, in a way. But if you go through them sequentially through time, you see that humor and that intimacy and the connection. And they have maybe a slight snapshot feel at times, very kind of just free and intimate. But then as you get towards the end, like the story starts to change between them. And it just like there's just like this gut punch <laughs> at the end that's just it it's powerful, you know. I guess talk about that kind of the end of the sequence and then what how people have responded to that of that to that shared experience of going through it and then boom, you get this kind of at the end. Well, I actually there's uh, what I've heard from people, there are kind of two booms. One mm -hmm. is when you go from the last picture where both of them are there to the first picture where my dad's missing. Yeah. And and that's one like, oh my God, you know, it right. happened. And then you start to see the decline of my mother, especially toward the end. She gets a little more stooped over. Her hands are a little more twisted as she waves. And then she's in the living facility. And, um, you know, she's just shorter and more frail and using a walker. And mm. then, and then there's that last picture where she's gone. And I guess that's where the book was a really nice way to tell this story because you turn a pick page and then, it, then it happens to you. And people have told me about how that happened to them when they turned the page in the book. So, you know, for me, as I went through the negatives and got them ready, I started seeing instances where my mom's got my dad's arm. She's holding on to him, I think, to hold him up or to keep him mm. from being wobbly. The last two pictures of my dad being alive, my mom's got a grip on him. And I started to see, oh, my gosh, there were signs in these pictures I didn't even know at the time. If you look for the details, you really start to see the aging and the frailty appear and kind of get you yeah yeah it's hard i mean it's it's just so we talked about this last year at the gathering a lot we had a lot of photographers that dealt with kind of end of life projects and it's hard but there's like a bravery of using your photography to kind of go through to document it go through that because it's inevitable you know for, for all of us and so instead of shying away from it it's something that allows for conversation to be had you know but Ever, you know, we all kind of have that fear, I think, of losing parents or loved ones. And your book, I think, project allows people to kind of go through that in a way. So I, I don't necessarily have a question, but just like for me, that's just what I feel and some of the value that, that's in it, in it and why people are attracted to it. Yeah, that, that's really gratifying for me to hear that because that is what I hope the message is. And I'm glad it's coming through. Well, ask a couple more questions that maybe deal with like as a career, as an artist, as we kind of wrap up, what advice do you have with sticking with a long-term project? I think a lot of photography now is in our cultures, we have very short attention spans. <laughs> so how, I don't know, since you've done it and you've stuck with it for years, 
what what did you learn about committing to it and doing it? You know, I think once I've always had trouble with that short attention span thing because people are always saying, well, what are you photographing now? Or what's your latest project? And I've never lost interest in any of my projects. I could pick up anything mm. I've ever photographed and work on it some more. The only reason this one ended was because both parents are gone. Otherwise, I'd still be doing it. And I feel like if you really believe in something, it's not a commitment as much as it is a, it's an itch you got to scratch because you just can't mm -hmm. resist working on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever regard any of my projects as finished. You know, even this one, my son decided to say uh, when he was leaving to start his job, my son said, well, mom, aren't you going to take a picture? So now I'm taking pictures <laughs> of my son after he visits wow. me when he leaves and he drives out of the driveway. I stand on the porch and I take a picture of him leaving. So even wow. in some ways, this one's going on some more because right. I, I don't see any point in quitting. All the things I've ever done are really interesting to me. Mm. So. I guess if you have to force a commitment, maybe you're just not that interested in it and you should find something you can't resist doing. Dig deeper into your interests. I love it. In what ways did you find the bookmaking process beneficial? Because you learn a lot through the editing and sequencing and all of that. So Sequencing was easy. It was chronological yeah, order. Thank right. goodness. <laughs> I didn't have to worry yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, the only thing right. is that in, in the book, we decided to insert these color papers. And mm. the publisher was so taken with my mom's colorful clothes that you can see there's a peach paper and my mom has a peach blouse on. And so we had to sequence the photos and use photos that corresponded. And then we chose the color papers to to match the, the, the pictures. And it was also a way for us technically to, you know, the first part of the book is all black and white. So we could kind of, once I switched from film to digital, the digital I shot in color. And so we had a set of black and white pictures and a set of color pictures. And it allowed us with these color papers to kind of mix the two and, and provide a little theme through the book. So we mm. had those choices and that sequencing. And then, you know, just the gift of an experienced editor's eye on your work is so fun. It's so fun to hear someone tell you what they see in your pictures and, you know, which ones they like better. And uh, she almost always had a good reason for including one or not including one. And so, you know, what a delight to collaborate. This publisher, it was a true collaboration. I mean, we made this book together. And so it, it was just a fascinating experience for me to take a body of work and look at it and process it with a publisher, um, a very creative publisher. I guess last question would be if somebody's wanting to set out and maybe have a career as a fine art photographer or if they're doing commercial work, but they want to add some fine art photography to their career, maybe what advice do you have? Maybe avenues or practical things they can do to pursue that? I guess one of my questions is, do you, do they need to create just the body of work first and then all the career aspects of that will come later? Should they just not even worry about it at all and just focus on what interests them and just see what happens? What do you think? Well, I think it helps not to worry about it because you can't make it happen. But I do think you have to be active in soliciting chances for portfolio reviews, feedback from people whose 
who use, you know, that you'll respect their opinion. People who will be honest with you and just not to pat you on the back and say you're doing a great job. These days, it's a little more problematic, I think, to find good juried exhibitions. So many of them seem to be a way for competitions to kind of collect a lot of fees. It's, 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 yeah. It can cost a lot, but if you right. can find opportunities that don't cost so much I and you and the curator or the juror is someone you'd like to show your work to, then, you know, certainly over the years, I entered so many competitions and, you know, got turned down by many of them. But I did plug away at entering shows, entering competitions where appropriate and where it was a good choice for me and signing up for as much feedback and help as I could get. So I, I think you, first and foremost, take the pictures. And then secondly, kind of in the background, keep this running interest in getting feedback and showing your pictures and seeing what you've got and, and, and certainly even getting advice from people out there. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for being here. You bet. My pleasure. You're welcome.